You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. DHS tells the U.S. executive branch to stop using Kaspersky security software. Chromtech finds Elasticsearch servers hosting point-of-sale malware. Blueborn bugs buzz billions of boxes. Equifax says that its breach was accomplished via the Apache Struts flaw patched in April. Industry notes include both venture funding and acquisition news. We take a quick look back at the Billington Cybersecurity Summit and in a scene soon to be ripped from the headlines. Counselor, watch yourself. I may not hold you in contempt, but if you continue, I'll cycle power and reboot you. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 14th, 2017. Yesterday, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security issued Binding Operational Directive 17-01, directing that all U.S. government executive branch agencies stop using Kaspersky security software within 90 days. Acting Homeland Security Secretary Elaine Duke issued the order, which, as the DHS public statement says, calls on departments and agencies to identify any use or presence of Kaspersky products on their information systems in the next 30 days, to develop detailed plans to remove and discontinue present and future use of the products in the next 60 days, and at 90 days from the date of this directive, unless directed otherwise by DHS based on new information, to begin to implement the agency plans to discontinue use and remove the products from information systems. The directive is based on an assessment of risk, and DHS has not presented evidence publicly of any Kaspersky wrongdoing. It has, however, explained the risk as follows. Quote, Kaspersky antivirus products and solutions provide broad access to files and elevated privileges on the computers on which the software is installed, which can be exploited by malicious cyber actors to compromise those information systems. The department is concerned about the ties between certain Kaspersky officials and Russian intelligence and other government agencies, and requirements under Russian law that allow Russian intelligence agencies to request or compel assistance from Kaspersky and to intercept communications transiting Russian networks. The risk that the Russian government, whether acting on its own or in collaboration with Kaspersky, could capitalize on access provided by Kaspersky products to compromise federal information and information systems directly implicates U.S. national security. Quote. As White House Cybersecurity Director Robert Joyce commented yesterday at the Billington Cybersecurity Summit, the assessment of risk is based on requirements in Russian law that companies cooperate with the FSB intelligence agency. Joyce agreed with the directive. Quote, it was a risk-based decision and the right call. It's unacceptable that a company could move data to Russia where law requires it to cooperate with the FSB. End quote. The binding operational directive is perhaps not so final as it might appear. 
DHS says at the end of its statement that it's providing Kaspersky with the opportunity to submit a written response addressing or mitigating security concerns. Anyone else who has an interest in the matter will also be afforded the opportunity to comment. Watch the Federal Register for notices affecting binding Operational Directive 17-01. We've got an interesting cybersecurity story from Brazil to share today. Renato Marinho is Chief Research Officer at Morphus Labs. A friend of his called about an interesting incident involving some social engineering. Someone with a good bit of specific knowledge about the friend's company called an employee in their finance department and told them that he was from their bank and that unless they updated their system with some specific software, they would lose access to their online banking system, which of course was important for their day-to-day operations. Mr. Mourinho picks up the story from there. The, the call was recorded. Fortunately, the employee didn't follow the instructions and ended the call. Uh, he suspected that it was a kind of a scam and talked to the the person in charge of information security inside of the company, that was my friend. When he sent me the audio recording of that call, I became very uh, impressed about how it was done. It was done in a very professional way. It seems that the, the guy, the attacker, was calling from a real uh, call center because of the background noise. I, I received the URL that the guy was enticing the victim to access. And that was the moment that I perceived that the URL was pointing to the Google Chrome App Store. I, I knew that it was that was a very different uh, way of attack and started to analyze the, the, the extension code. And so what did you find? When I started to analyze the, the source code, it was not difficult to reverse engineer it because it was written in JavaScript. So the first thing I noticed that the extension was waiting for the user to access a specific banking URL, was uh, waiting for the user to type the credentials at the website. It was prepared to capture the credentials and send to a remote server. The server, of course, was an attacker host. So it was receiving the credentials the user was typing. What was the name of the Chrome extension? What was it disguising itself as? Yes, uh, the, the name is very strange. It's Interface Online. It's nothing to see about the, the banking name. It was also strange that there was no screenshot. Another, another interesting point is that the Chrome extension, Virus Total Hate, was zero. It's, it's interesting to, to note that it was not identified about by the antivirus solutions. It was installed by at least 30 victims. So is the extension still on the Google Chrome store? Has it been pulled? No, uh, it's, 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 it isn't online anymore. After we reported to Google about the, the incident, they removed the extension from the App Store. After one day, we noticed that the extension came back with another name. We reported Google again, and they removed the, the extension for the second time. So what is your advice for organizations looking to protect themselves against this sort of thing? I think that is very difficult for a regular employee to detect this kind of attack because we are talking about uh, an extension uh, hosted at uh, a Google Chrome official store. And we usually put much trust into these big companies. But, uh, for example, user may 
suspect about the the number of downloads of that extensions the extension name there was no uh, screenshots or information about the banking itself into the into the extension the extension asked for much permissions inside of the, the browser it asked to read and to write any uh, field inside any website i think that in that point google could improve the security when uh, an extension asks for read some field including sensitive information like passwords the user should be alerted or could be uh, asked for additional permission to do that that's Renato Marinho from Morpheus Labs. Chromtech Security says it's found more than 4,000 Elastisearch servers hosting files related to Alina POS and Jack POS, both strains of point-of-sale malware. Both of the affected Elastisearch servers are to be found in Amazon Web Services. Alina POS and Jack POS use the servers to collect, encrypt, and transfer credit card information scraped from point-of-sale terminals or infected Windows machines. The Blueborn vulnerability in Bluetooth, whose discovery Armis Lab announced Tuesday, may have been addressed by both Microsoft and Google in their most recent patches, but the estimated rates of susceptibility to attack through this vector are astonishingly high. More than 5 billion devices worldwide are thought to be vulnerable. As usual, patching them all will amount to another labor of Hercules. Until you're sure you're patched and up-to-date, experts are advising people turn off Bluetooth when it's not in use. Equifax has cleared up the confusion over which vulnerability attackers used in their massive theft of the credit bureau's data. It was the earlier Apache Struts vulnerability, CVE 2017-5638, which was patched in April, some two months before Equifax sustained its attack. The Credit Bureau had earlier suggested that it was the victim of an attack that used either a much more recently patched Apache Struts vulnerability or some hitherto unknown zero-day. But no, it's the old bug after all. There's some piling on. Okay, a lot of piling on. Rival credit bureau Experian complains that Equifax's clumsy disclosures have impeded Experian's ability to ensure the security of the data it holds. Tom's Guide reports that other credit bureau systems in India may have been vulnerable to the same Apache struts bug that affected Equifax, although there are no reports of other data breaches similar to those Equifax sustained. And there's been unseemly schadenfreude over Equifax's choice of passwords for admin accounts in its Argentinian operations. Username admin, password admin, which would seem easy enough to remember. In industry news, AppGuard announces that it's closed a $30 million round of Series B funding. Silent Circle is buying Casala, and Talis announced its purchase of Guavas. Brocade's acquisition by Broadcom is proving rocky for employees, reports indicate, with several executives departing early over uncertainties as to when the deal will actually close. The annual Billington Cybersecurity Summit was held in Washington, and the industry and government leaders who spoke agreed that proliferation of the Internet of Things, designed for the most part with inadequate attention to security, has vastly increased the attack surface U.S. critical infrastructure presents to adversaries. There was a great deal of clarity on the part of the Director of National Intelligence and others as to who those adversaries in cyberspace are. Russia, front and center of course and out to erode public trust. 
China, interested mostly in economic advantage, Iran, a dangerous regional junior version of Russia, North Korea, determined to secure survival of Mr. Kim by whatever means it deems necessary, and violent extremist groups, a euphemism for ISIS and competing jihadist organizations. These last have negligible hacking capability, at least so far, but they've excelled at information operations. We have further accounts of the summit on our website, with more coming. And to return to the Equifax breach, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission has opened an investigation into the incident, and the U.S. Senate is making noises about conducting its own inquiries. Even the robots are piling on. Most legal practice has yet to be automated, but there's an undercurrent of suspicion that the profession may be as ripe for disruption by robots as the long-haul trucking industry seems to be. Do Not Pay, a robo-lawyer best known for helping drivers appeal and beat parking tickets, has apparently joined the plaintiff's bar. Do Not Pay will provide aggrieved victims of the breach with the documents they need to sue Equifax in small claims court. You can apparently do this for damages of up to $25,000. And if you don't like how your lawyer's dealing with you, just reboot. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Joining me once again is Johannes Ulrich. He's from the SANS Technology Institute and also the ISC Stormcast podcast. Johannes, so welcome back. Um, you wanted to give us an update today on the Mirai botnet. What do we need to know? 
Yeah, the, the Mirai botnet really sort of started uh, to emerge about a year ago. That's when we saw uh, the first sort of wave of attacks that used uh, this magic password uh, that these uh, security camera DBRs are uh, vulnerable uh, for. Now, what we really see is that uh, it hasn't really let up. Uh, there is still probably 100,000 or more infected systems out there that are constantly scanning the Internet. I connected one of these DVRs uh, to my standard uh, small business cable modem connection and within two minutes uh, repeatedly it, it got infected uh, with various versions of uh, this malware. So essentially as an end user you have not even a chance to sort of download a patch or apply security settings if you're connecting a system like this uh, to an open internet connection uh, these days. So with these cameras, uh, is there any way of using them safely or, or is it better just to avoid them altogether? The best thing is to avoid them altogether. Uh, there is no simple patch for them. Some of them supposedly have firmware updates, but they're very difficult to find and to apply. You may be able to put them behind a firewall, but then again, you're losing some of the functionality because now you no longer are able to remote access your security footage, which is one of the features people install them for. And is there a master database where if you're in the market for a security camera, you can check to make sure it's not vulnerable to this? That's a real tricky part. Uh, there are some databases like this, uh, but the problem is that these cameras or also these DVRs, these cameras connect to, uh, they, they are being sold under a large number of different brand names. There are only three, four different manufacturers, uh, but uh, they're being sold under dozens of different brand names. So for the end user, it's very difficult to figure out if they're receiving a vulnerable mo model or not. All right. Good information as always. Johannes Ulrich, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. 
Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.